all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, the show all about finding and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. I'm Dr. Debbie Miner, Professor and Vice Chair of Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and I'm thrilled today to have back with me Lydia West. So today we're going to be focusing on breastfeeding. This is National Breastfeeding Month, so we'd love to hear from you. Any comments you have, any questions, any experiences with breastfeeding over the years, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send us an email to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit from MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with you right after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Delta Airlines is warning its passengers to prepare for widespread delays and cancellations today as a result of this morning's computer glitch. NPR's Yuki Noguchi reports the problems blamed on a power outage at Delta's home base in Atlanta that resulted in disruptions to the airline's operations around the world. At 8.40 Eastern time, Delta says it was able to resume some limited departures of its flights. But to make matters more confusing, the online flight status information which was also affected by the outage, may not be correct. The airline is blaming a power outage at its headquarters in Atlanta for the widespread disruptions. A spokesman for Delta says it is not clear how long the ripple effect from the outage will continue to affect customers, but the carrier is offering a waiver to customers traveling between August 8th and 12th to change their flights at no extra cost. Yuki Noguchi, NPR News, Washington. The Detroit Economic Club hears from Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump today. He's expected to outline his agenda for growing jobs, cutting business taxes, and scaling back regulations. Democratic rival Hillary Clinton is expected to offer details on her economic plan on Thursday in Detroit. Members of the OPEC oil cartel plan to meet in September ahead of their previously scheduled November meeting. NPR's Jeff Brady reports the unusual announcement comes as some members are concerned about persistently low crude prices. A little over three years ago, oil prices were above $100 a barrel. They dropped less than half that over just a few months and have stayed there since then. A big increase in crude production here in North America is one reason, but also countries like China and India are using less oil than analysts expected. The low prices have been good for U.S. drivers, but bad for countries that produce oil. Some of them want to cut production so crude prices will go up. Previous efforts to make that happen failed. Now, OPEC has announced cartel members will hold in formal meetings in Algeria during the International Energy Forum next month. Jeff Brady, NPR News. 
Rallies are expected this hour outside the Alabama Court of the Judiciary, which is deciding whether Chief Justice Roy Moore should be forced to resign. He's accused of violating court ethics with an administrative order to state probate judges to observe Alabama laws against same-sex marriage, despite an opposite ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court. Moore denies he did anything wrong, but investigators with the Judicial Inquiry Commission want the court to remove Moore without a trial. An American fencer has made history as the first from the United States to compete in the Olympics wearing a hijab. Ibtihaj Mohammed wore a plain black headscarf under a red, white, and blue masking competition. She defeated her Ukrainian opponent in the opening bout in the women's saber tournament. At last check on Wall Street, the Dow was down 17 points at 18,526. S&P down one. Nasdaq was off nine points. This is NPR News. The family of a Muslim boy who was arrested after he brought a homemade clock to his suburban Dallas high school last fall is now suing the Texas school system on grounds that Ahmed Muhammad's civil rights were violated. The 14-year-old student says he brought the clock to school to show his teacher but was instead charged with possessing a hoax bomb. The charge was dropped but Muhammad was suspended. Men raced to get the injured into ambulances after a powerful explosion at a government-run hospital in southwestern Pakistan. Police and hospital authorities are now reporting at least 67 deaths in the bomb blast. They say it was a suicide attack, started when a top lawyer was killed. Then when mourners gathered at the hospital, the suicide bomber struck. A breakaway faction of the Taliban in Pakistan is claiming responsibility. The Emperor of Japan is now hinting that he may want to step down. NPR's Elise reports that would be a first in nearly 200 years. Emperor Akihito spoke in an address televised across Japan, saying that given his age of 82, he's concerned it'll be too difficult for him to fulfill his duties as emperor. While the emperor's role is entirely ceremonial, the royal family is still held in high regard by the Japanese. It is the world's oldest hereditary monarchy. Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe followed the emperor's remarks with a statement of his own, saying the government will look into legal mechanisms to allow for an abdication. Currently, Japanese law says an emperor must serve until death. Elise Hu, NPR News. U.S. stocks are trading lower with the Dow off 18 points at 18,525. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Progressive Insurance, with insurance for cars, home, boat, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles, at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com, and the listeners who support this NPR station. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning. 
This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit from MPB Think Radio. I'm Debbie Miner, and I'm thrilled today to have with me Lydia West. Lydia is our registered dietitian. She's been with us many times before, not just on my show, but uh, I think most recently on Jimmy Stewart's show. Yeah, on Kids and Teens. Yeah, on the Kids and Teens show. And then, new today with us for the next several weeks is Anna Blair Brown from Raymond, Mississippi. She's our pharmacy expert. So we're thrilled to have Anna Blair with us today. Good morning. (laughs) And today we're going to focus, it's hard to believe because it seems like we just did this yesterday, but it's been a year. A year A year. It's National Breastfeeding Month, so it it was last August we talked about it. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to hear from you, any comments, questions that you have. Uh, We're going to be exploring issues related to breastfeeding, why, why it's a good thing, (laughs) and just anything, anything, experiences, et cetera, that you have had, we'd love to hear from you at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So Lydia, Lydia, goodness, it seems like (laughs) our, our paths cross constantly from whether you're working with the Department of Education, the Department of Health, the partnership, all the different groups that you work with. And um, actually, I was working on a project last week. We are partnering with uh, with Charles King and Teach for America. Yeah. And up for that marathon up there, Some yes. working with them on some things up there. That's I know you marathon. did that yes, last year, yes. and I'm going to sign up, up for it. It's fun. And we're going to hopefully do some uh, community uh, engagement type things with, with their program and partnering Great. with them. So yeah. Emma Willoughby, she's been on the yes, show with me. So yes. Emma Emma and Dr. Jones and I are partnering with them, hopefully. So we're going to have some things happening with that. Right. There's all kinds of good things that Teach for America does. So. I know, mm-hmm. I know. And I'm, I'm excited to go up there. I think that's a real flat course, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, except for the little bridge that you start on. The oh, band okay. was real intense last year, but I like it's flat. a good flat course. Absolutely. <laughs> so I have to start thinking about that and getting ready for that. So Lydia, why are you interested in breastfeeding? Well, that's a very good question. Um, and you're not personally experienced with No, this. I'm not. <laughs> not No, but um, it is, uh, I'm a dietitian, as you said, is my I background. Know, yes. and, yeah, well, you're um, an expert in many, many areas, well, like program planning and not just from recommending what someone eats in their nutrition assessment. Right. I mean, you have, you have policy experience. You have program experience. You were just so much well-versed. I feel so fortunate in that. And um, breastfeeding is a first food choice for families. And so it just, um, because of, of our low rates of breastfeeding initiation and duration in Mississippi, that's just something that's come across my path several times. As you said, we, you and I have crossed paths several different ways in, in the work that we're doing. And breastfeeding is, is a part of that. The Department of Health is very interested in it. The, the UMC is doing a lot to become mm-hmm. baby-friendly hospitals all over Mississippi. Um, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi has... Um, um, a new um, policy piece that they're working on with First Foods, and they're requiring all um, delivering facilities to become something called baby-friendly, and that's 10 steps that um, birthing facilities have to follow and be certified by Baby Friendly USA. And um, a, lot of those encur- a lot of those steps help to encourage breastfeeding. And that's so, so interesting because that's, that's so very different than you know, my personal experience, which is over 30 years ago, hard to believe, but how it used to be that you left the hospital (laughs) and they loaded you up with formula Mm -hmm. and all these things. And, uh, it's, it was just, it was almost like it encouraged the use of or encourage the not breastfeeding Mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so with these, 
we are we, as a culture we're understanding that there are so many important things about um, initiating breastfeeding and the support that goes along with that um, and and we are Mississippi is the first state to use this model of a health insurance company kind of driving those health decisions regarding breastfeeding forward and so it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next little bit with that well so is that to say that we're we are as a state we are really doing on those markers those markers that looking at statistics mm-hmm. and population health um are we are we leading the nation we are going to see some major changes in where where are we where are we well, right now right now um the um Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, releases rates on breastfeeding initiation and duration. And we're um, 47th with the current information that we have for breastfeeding initiation. So that's pretty low. Well, so, okay. So I was going to say, does that mean that we're 47 close to the bottom? Or does that mean we're like in the top? Which is that scale? Is it good to be at the bottom or is it bad to be at 47? <laughs> this is one where it's 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 a bad thing to be at 47. I, but again, those numbers are a couple years old. And so um, when CDC releases on that latest information, I think we will see a change in that. There's been so much going on over the past couple of years around Mississippi's support of First Foods and um, family support and, and community support around breastfeeding. I think that will change. Um, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months of life and then on the introduction of foods as it becomes um, time for that infant to to begin other foods. And so I think our numbers both at exclusive breastfeeding um, and the initiation of breastfeeding are going to be changed from the last set of numbers we have. Well, some of it seems almost cultural. Uh, I know I I have a relatively new grandbaby and I know in the hospital, uh, when and even even the difference, I, I noticed the difference in the hospital from when the other grandchild and, and they're not very far apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the 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 next oldest, the 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 big brother will be two in October. So these I these babies are close. Yeah. yeah, and so even in the hospital and seeing the difference there, they they had posters framed all over the hospital and about breastfeeding, mm-hmm. and you could tell they were. They were very diverse in who they were targeting, the audience Good. that they were targeting. Yeah. So a yeah. very diverse population. So encouraging that. And I know I didn't see that earlier. Well, even that's as something. Most, as recently. Yeah, that's something that Less facilities, years ago. Pre, prenatal as well as antenatal facilities are having to work with their um, their customers and their clients to make sure that they're ready for these changes that have happened so recently in, in our birthing facilities and talking with families prenatally because it's really hard to make that decision at the time of birth mm-hmm. what the first food is going to be so trying to talk to um, the families during pregnancy about all the birth, all the feeding options that are out there well I have I have of course a prepared list of questions that that I want to get to but let's let's go ahead and we've got a caller that left a question up here uh, so let's address that Lydia sure so this caller wants to know the effect that I, is that marijuana does that mean yes. marijuana 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 uh, has on breastfeeding. So do you know the answer to that? Well, the uh, it is um <laughs> it, it does affect the the um it can it can affect the child, and so the recommendation is to not use um, drugs during breastfeeding. Um, but I will rely on pharmacy expertise as well mm-hmm. if y'all have any. Okay, we'll let Anna Blair kind of research that really quick, and and 
answer that question for us in a minute. We but can go back to that. But about drugs, the um, the IHL, the International mm-hmm. Library of Medicine, has something called LATCHMED, L-A-T-C-H-M-E-D, and you can do an Internet search for that. And that is an evidence-based um, drug list of um, how different medications yeah. can affect bre- um, breastfeeding. And so I do recommend that families and healthcare providers use that as a reference. There's a great little app. If you have a smartphone, you can do the LATCHMED app mm-hmm. so you can have mm-hmm. quick access to that information as well. I know I read an article a couple of years ago. It was just like a, a continuing education article for healthcare pro- professionals, providers, about medications so mm-hmm. medications in different disease states and, yeah. and breastfeeding and of course all medications have all medicines that go through the fda mm-hmm. and classified as a medication have a a i'll call it a ranking <laughs> you know a system where the effects potentially in breast milk and recommendations mm-hmm. for that so that's that's there and then the resource that you said so there are different resources for looking at particular medications and of course with medications it's very very much a Risk versus benefit. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes the bottom line is the mother has to have the medicine or whatever for whatever right. disease state and all. But then there are other things that can be choices can mm-hmm. be made. And I guess with the marijuana, which we'll get back to as after Anna Blair looks that up, that that's a case. I guess that could be a medical use, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also, of course, not in Mississippi, but in other states, it's it's we're not talking necessarily about medical use but mm-hmm. it is a a substance just like that people would have access to just like taking an extra vitamin c and you'd have to be concerned about yeah. the effects of that in pregnancy yeah so whether you look at it as take whatever kind of supplement i mean you can basically say it's like a supplement mm-hmm. so in regard to breastfeeding and we'll get back to that and just like with alcohol or anything else um just looking it up i'm seeing that any exposure to illegal drugs can cause um, your baby to have seizures or vomiting or even poor feeding. Marijuana specifically can sedate your baby. And then there's also the chance that the marijuana is contaminated with other substances, which would put your um, baby at greater risk for things that, you know, you're unaware of. Mm-hmm. So, And I guess that even is a consideration, too. You'd have to even think statewide because mm-hmm. here – Marijuana is not a legal substance. Right. Well, if you went to another state, it could potentially could be a legal substance. Mm-hmm. And you do have more guidance and direction over actually what you're purchasing. Yeah. <laughs> versus, yeah. So there are all kinds of things. There are. There are. And I think um, one recommendation is while you're pregnant, most women try to eat a, a more balanced or a very balanced diet. And so the recommendation that most healthcare providers is to continue that healthy lifestyle during breastfeeding time as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that including alcohol and caffeine and, and other types of medications or right. drugs. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be so careful. I think kind of that falls in the same class too. not even get into all the controversial issues with that. But just in my mind, it falls into the same class of all kinds of supplements mm-hmm. that don't don't fall under FDA purview as far as what's actually in them. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd be scared point. to take any of them myself, right. you know, without without good. knowing that it's a a product that's certified and uh, that I know exactly what's in it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, well, so let's go back uh, because you'd said that, so breast milk for the first six months mm-hmm. of life. And so what are the advantages of that? What are the advantages of that compared to a 
nutritional formula that's been approved and is available and in some people's i mean and because it would be easy to it would be very very easy to say well i don't eat a perfect diet i i do not eat a perfect diet and so is that the best thing for my baby is my breast milk versus something i can buy that i know is made to be a more perfect nutritional mix for Mm -hmm. my child versus me and eating too much birthday cake. <laughs> well, I, I think that the human body is a pretty amazing thing, and it's going to use whatever nutrition that the mother consumes and make the best possible product for the, the infant or the infants if it's a multiple feeding. Um, so I think that breast milk is still going to be best even if we don't have the um, most perfect diet that's out there. The One of the great things about um, breast milk, and, and we're learning so much more about the makeup of it, but it doesn't just have the things that are in the formula. Those, there are things that are in, in infant formula that are also in breast milk. But um, there's at least 28 other things like phytochemicals and different vitamins and minerals and, and things that the body makes that are in breast milk that cannot just be can't, can't, can't be make it yet. Yeah. Can't make it yet. And, and it's like so, we can't find the perfect cancer treatment. I mean, we can't make it. We can't make it. And um, the um, breast milk is also remarkable in that it changes with the baby's age. And so what a mother produces right at the beginning is something called colostrum. And it's this super nutrient dense thing. And it's a tiny little bit that it's produced. But remember, the infant's stomach is just so little. And so it's just about the right amount for that that newborn, um, and and the then the brother's mother's breast milk change transitions into something that's more traditionally thought of as breast milk, and the nutrients of that change. And as that child gets older, the nutrient makeup of the breast milk changes. And formula can't do that. Formula is just the same old formula. Um, some of the risks that can come along with formula feeding, and there there is a time and a place for formula feeding. There of are course. families that are of out course. there that, that dual feed yes. or that mm-hmm. it of is course. the right it's choice. Individual situation, to do. absolutely. Yes. Um, but as the, um, the one of the things we have to be concerned about is is contamination that could happen with mixing formula, making sure that we are using sterile things because the infant immune system is so new and, and developing. That's one of the things that breast milk helps to do is to help increase that immune system. And um, but but in formula mixing, we just need to make sure we're using very clean equipment and clean water and and not contaminating that product for mm-hmm. for the infant. Well, let's go to uh, Jim on the line. Uh, Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Would you speak to the emotional benefits, aside from the physiological benefits, to the mother and the baby of breastfeeding? Great question. You want to get personal input, personal experience first, Debbie? Well, uh, well, I'll I'll say one side of it, and then and then I'll let Lydia, the expert, say the other (laughs) side. I'll say the personal (laughs) side, and I can tell you, you know, my personal experience, like I said, is over thirty years old now, but. I don't know. It's like that bonding mm-hmm. and and that closeness and that I just uh, that peace of mind. And then this is going to sound terrible, but the convenience. Oh, my <laughs> exactly. goodness. I was so busy as a mother mm-hmm. and working and and taking care of kids. I didn't have time to wash bottles. Right. I mean, it just wasn't going to happen. Right. And I, and I can remember going to daycare and sending uh, pumped breast milk. And finally, they told me they said, like, Quit sending that for that kid. She ain't gonna take it. <laughs> um, but, Jim, did you but, have any anything in particular that you had you wanted to mention about that? No, I, I think there is a, a bonding experience that takes place, and that's why I appreciate your speaking to that. 
Yeah. Absolutely. That, and, and that's one thing that is happening with these, these 10 steps that hospitals mm-hmm. are having to do. One of the things that they're going to be required to do is um, allow families to have the golden hour. The first hour after birth, that child is going to need to be skin to skin with the family. Um, most of the time that's going to be the mom, but sometimes the mom's not going to be able to mm-hmm. do that. So another family mm-hmm. member, like a dad oh, or a grandmother, yeah. can do that first mm-hmm. hour skin to skin. And just the bond that happens mm-hmm. with that. And it really does, uh, breastfeeding is a new experience for mom and for baby. And it it is convenient after a while, but sometimes it oh, takes it a little hard. bit of a time oh, to get that, it can be very get hard. that started mm-hmm. and, and, and make that um a, a um, process, but the the bond that's there, the um, just moms talk about the connection that they have with that, and 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 other family members, whether it's a dad or a partner or a grandparent, can have some of those same um, bonds as well. With using the formula, or doing some skin, to, mm-hmm. uh, not formula, but the the, the um, pumped breast milk, mm-hmm. and and being able to have feeding time, and um, then families being able to support the mom for that breastfeeding time and. Doing the dishes or folding the laundry or just mm-hmm. doing the, just sometimes family members feel like they can't participate like they could if there was a formula mm-hmm. um, bottle that they could use. But yeah. there's so many ways that the family can support the mom as, as she and the infant are feeding. I think it's important to consider those as bonding experiences and emotional experiences as well. Well, and and now and and you brought up the um the well you brought up the the cleanliness and the hygiene and the making sure no contamination and all that but you know things are different now too I, I will say that because and that was harder back in my day because you felt like you had to boil you had to boil those bottles mm-hmm. and if you used water to to uh with like the powdered stuff and mm-hmm. you had to boil the water and all that mm-hmm. well no one does that anymore so then that makes formula it seems like even easier yeah. to use it, yeah. It, yeah versus well, it, versus the boiling the bottles boiling the water Hmm, that was too complicated. It 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 is a lot to to take on. It is easier these days, but I do think that the benefits of that um, nutrient dense substance that breast milk is um, it just outweighs breastfeeding. I mean, it outweighs formula feeding every time. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for calling, Jim, and uh, we hope you have a good day. And there's our music, so it means it's time for us to take a quick break. We're here today with Lydia West and Anna Blair Brown, and we're talking about breastfeeding. This is National Breastfeeding Month, so we'd love to hear from you with your personal experience or any questions that you may have give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING that's 1-877-672-7464 or send us an email to healthy at mpbonline.org we'll be back with you right after this break Support for MPB comes from the Pediatric and Congenital Heart Center of Alabama at Children's of Alabama, a cardiovascular care center for children in Birmingham, Alabama. More at childrensal.org slash heart. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Jelly, it's jelly bean. The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And, of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. That's my guys, man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today.
This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Debbie Miner. I'm here today with Lydia West and Anna Blair Brown, and we're talking about breastfeeding. This is National Breastfeeding Month, and uh, Lydia has already shared with us that we are 47th in the nation. That's our current number. That's our current number. Of course, that's at the bottom. Uh, And, of course, there are a lot of efforts that are being uh, implemented and across the state, and to hopefully increase that number. So we'll, we'll be talking some more about that. But let's go to some of our callers on the line. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much for holding. You're down in Bay St. Louis? Okay. Yes. Oh, Bay love Bay St. Louis. Love Bay St. Louis. Yeah. Henderson Point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a nice place. So. Yeah. But it's been a while, you know, a long time since, since I've breastfed. But um. Uh, two things, you know, first of all, you know, definitely don't breastfeed if you're drinking and stuff because we already know. Oh, yes, we know that. Defects and all. So, yeah, so definitely pay attention to what you're, what you're putting in your body. But if you can breastfeed, absolutely, there's all that stuff, uh, that's so important. But with me, I just couldn't produce any milk and I was trying, like you said, it was convenient for you, but it took me all day to get a little bitty, bitty bit of of breast milk, but I did for six weeks. It was a full-time job, but I I (laughs) did six weeks of the the breastfeeding, you know, but a poor little thing, he was sucking and, you know, trying and trying, he was exhausted trying to get some milk from me. And you were exhausted. it's true, every ounce counts. Yeah. Every ounce counts. And and you bring up you bring up a wonderful point, mm-hmm. Lisa. And Lydia and I were talking mm-hmm. about that too, really, during the break. And and so I'll let Lydia address some of the things we talked about because, yeah, it, you know, it's just like with everything else. And even us talking about medicines and breastfeeding, it's you know, you got to work out risk versus benefit, <laughs> advantages versus mm-hmm. the disadvantages, and and just the, all the issues is very much a personal personal. Not just decision, but a personal adventure. Absolutely. Yeah, and I would be like real envious of the, you know, the women who can just pop it out. You exactly. Know, were, you know, mm-hmm. feeding all day, and it took me all day to get a little, mm-hmm. you know, a little bottle, <laughs> mm. a little bottle full. Of, so I just wanted to. Share well, don't that. feel guilty about that. Right. Mm. That's that's. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for doing that, and I think as we're changing the culture around Mississippi, it's gonna. There could be more support for moms that that are like you because that's not that happens, and so I, I appreciate you bringing that up, Lisa. It's just like we talk about, you know, that yeah, yeah. what's normal or what someone can do is not the same thing as as the next person. Mm-hmm. It's we're all very different, mm-hmm. very very different. But thank you for bringing that up. So we wanted to make sure and address that. Yeah. Absolutely. Most definitely. Let's go. Let's and have a great day down in Bay St. Louis. I think y'all are supposed to be getting some rain today. Good morning, Timothy. Good morning. Thank y'all. you for holding. All right. In Louisiana. I, I don't know if y'all have discussed this, but a transfer of the human biota 
to the baby from the mother. Oh, that is so interesting. We've actually got. Uh, I need to have her on the oh, show. Oh, should. I'm, Whitney. Um, well, the, the, we have someone at UNC that is actually researching that. Oh, and cool. um, I need to have her on the that show. That would be a great. We've guess. had her do a lecture recently at, at uh, University of Mississippi Medical Center, and that is her area of research. Mm-hmm. And All right. you know, it's so complicated, actually, but it is fascinating. <laughs> it is. Fascinating. Thanks for that reminder, Timmy. Yeah. And you, uh, Lydia, well, you probably that, remember more about it than I do. A lot of it was over my head. <laughs> just um, that is a whole new form mm-hmm. of research. The the um, organisms that are mm-hmm. on our skin are, are, can be transferred um, as a beneficial way mm-hmm. to the, the child, um, but e- both through the birthing process right. and through the um, – the feeding processes, and so uh, we're just learning more and more about breastfeeding all the time, and so that that's um, helping with the immune system. And then it it seems like long later in life there are benefits that this um, biota can help contribute to. And, and we the the seminar that we attended, and part of it was focused on too, even the influence of obesity. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking, oh, wait a minute, you know, we're having to rethink totally because we used to think, we used to think, and I will clearly say this, that we just used to think that obesity was just eating too much and not exercising enough. Mm-hmm. And now we know that is not it. That is not it at all. And to go back that far, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I'm going to have Dr. Whitney Heron come on the show and we're going to talk about that soon. I need to give her a call. Yeah. I'm writing myself a note about that because she, <laughs> she is the one, it. she is the one doing the research in that yeah. area. It's so that fascinating. Is so mm. interesting. So Absolutely. fascinating. So fascinating. Well, let's go to, we've had the South Mississippi, Louisiana, and let's go to Alabama. Good morning, William. Okay. Thank you for holding. My wife and I saw the virtues of breastfeeding 50 years ago. So we, uh, breastfed our two children up to two years. She got considerable disfigurement from that. And my daughter-in-law, who did not do that, uh, she breastfed only, I think, for six months. And she didn't see any, uh, she didn't uh, experience any disfigurement. Do you have anything to say about disfigurement mm, that's a great question I, I you know and I, is that related to breastfeeding or is that just you know breasts are different i actually on the show last week i heard just a minute on the uh women's health show mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. michelle uh owens and alec brown they were talking about and and i didn't realize it but the, the average bra size in the united states is like 42 something i didn't 42. realize that. and they were saying that's related well, I mean, there's a lot of issues, but they were discussing that. And so women's breasts are all very different. Yeah, thanks for and that so, point, William. That's... Um, is that, you know, you wonder, is that is that directly related, this that disfigurement to breastfeeding, or is that something that's just the normal breast makeup in an individual? I don't know. Most of the um, research is pointing to it is very individual, like okay. the, how we were talking with Lisa, how different people produce different amounts. And um, the body, human body is just different. So mm-hmm. there is a little bit of, of research looking at duration and, and the changes in the body, but um, most often it's um, individual. So uh, thank you all for breastfeeding for two years, William. No, that's, that's wonderful. wonderful. Even that's, 50 years ago. Goodness. Absolutely. Mm, that's absolutely. great. Wonderful point. My point was uh, my daughter-in-law didn't do that. Mm-hmm. She didn't uh, get any disfigurement. And it could have been that even if she'd breastfed for two years, she still wouldn't have had any disfigurement. Yeah. We don't really know if that's 
does the research point to whether there's truly a correlation with uh, time, length of breastfeeding, and any type of disfigurement? The most that I've seen is, is more about just it's individual It's very individual. Um, so, so it, it could have been that even if it was the other turn the table and mm-hmm. and William's wife had nursed for or breastfed for six months, she still would have had the disfigurement. Yeah. It may not be a time correlation. Yeah, it's, it's, mm, it's interesting. I hope that it hasn't caused her any, any pain or discomfort with the disfigurement. The, cha- the change is cosmetic. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great point. That's a great point. Well, now, so I'm going to kind of turn that a bit, Lydia, and ask your opinion because on the converse side of that, I I hate to say it, but, I mean, I have heard people say (laughs) that they breastfeed because it helps them lose weight. Mm, Okay. Is that bad to say? Yes. No. (laughs) No. No. That's that's definitely one of the reasons that that people give. Uh, um, It takes a lot of energy to make breast milk, and so um, when... Families do decide to breastfeed. Women tend to return to their pre-birth weight or even lower than their pre-birth weight than if they choose to formula feed it. You still have to eat a healthy diet. It's mm-hmm. still very good once you get clearance to be physically active. Mm-hmm. But um, it takes a lot of energy to, to make some breast milk. So mm-hmm. it is women who breastfeed tend to lose weight faster and return to pre-birth weight. I mean, pre-pregnancy weight. Mm. Okay. So, so that's, that's the, the other side another of that. Benefit, yeah. yeah, the other side of that. So... The, I, I've seen a, a lot recently about they're calling it the pressures, mm-hmm. pressures of of breastfeeding, and these pressures or pressures mm-hmm. that that women may uh, face. And so the the World of Alliance for Breastfeeding or WABA, do they call yes, it? Wawa. Wawa. <laughs> <laughs> had released a vision on breastfeeding as uh, I think to quote it: a world where Breastfeeding is the cultural norm mm-hmm. because we we look at different countries and the different yeah. cultures and even within our country and and different states. Even. Yeah. Uh, so is this is this should this be do we is this currently a cultural norm? I would venture to say if we're forty seventh in the nation, it's not a cultural <laughs> norm in our state. But I'm not. I could be totally off in saying that. But is this, do you believe that this should be a cultural norm or, or why are there differences? What are, what are your thoughts around that? Oh, gosh, you you have so much experience. A, we could talk for eight hours uh, about that for uh. sure. But I, I do believe that um, we are seeing a cultural shift in it. We um, had some legislation that passed, some state legislation that passed 10 years ago that helped start more of the breastfeeding conversations that allowed a woman to be able to breastfeed anywhere that she's legally allowed to be. And she doesn't have to cover up. Most women do. Most women do not want to be exposed. So, yeah. Um, but it, they can breastfeed wherever they'd like. They can be dismissed from jury duty legally if they're a breastfeeding mom. Moms um, are allowed to go to a child care center and breastfeed. So I think um, the cultural conversation is starting to change in Mississippi. And I think... Can, I believe that with these hospital cha- um, things that are going on, it, it's going to become more part of our culture, more um, just accepted. I, I don't know if um, y'all remember, but about a year ago, um, there was some news about a national chain that's here oh, in Mississippi, yes. and a mom was asked that. to leave mm-hmm. um, the chain or use the ladies' room to, to breastfeed. And it was against the national company's policy to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And so um, just helping bringing awareness that um, 
it's okay to to breastfeed wherever we are. Um, one of the things I think that's also helping to drive that is there's something called a baby cafe. Um, we have one that just opened in Mississippi. It's in Greenville, Mississippi. And what the concept of that is is um, pregnant or breastfeeding moms can just drop in. You don't have to have an appointment and just get support around breastfeeding or get your questions answered. Our first one is in Greenville, and it's open on Wednesdays from 11 to 2, and it's free. Nobody, You don't stop have to pay in? for it. Just stop mm. in and ask questions and it really helps to build a network around that. Um, Anna Blair was talking about your friend. You have several friends that are breastfeeding, and so I'm, I hope that they have some some um, friends and, and some support that's around them, not just their family members, but people in the community that can help mm-hmm. support them. Have they talked with that you about that at all? Not with me um, specifically, but you know, you always, you know, you think of them and you think of the struggle just to live their life every day, and you know to. <laughs> Um, be able to breastfeed and not to feel awkward or out of place about mm-hmm. it. So, um, and you know, we as you know, friends are all very encouraging, but when it's a stranger, do you feel the same way? And it's important to be able to, um, you know, make people feel comfortable about mm-hmm. it, yeah. even if it's not your friend, even if it is a random person yeah. in the room with you. Yeah, I think that's good. And, and also to make those moms that aren't able to produce as much as some mm-hmm. other moms or may need to, to dual feed to make them feel comfortable that that is okay. I think that is definitely one of the pressures that we hear mm-hmm. out there is all moms got to be the super mom and, yeah. and have extra yeah. that they can, um, you know, just have on store. Mm-hmm. And, and it, just knowing that everybody is different and it's okay. It's it's great that, that you're providing for your child. Well, and I think it some of that cultural norm, you know, has shifted. And we'll go back to that when you take another quick break. Oh, I see Jay yeah. looking at me. <laughs> so we're, today we're talking about breastfeeding. This is National Breastfeeding Month here today with Lydia West and Anna Blair Brown. And so we'd love to hear from you. We've had some great callers and some of their experiences and some of their questions have led to some interesting discussions. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, 672 7464 Or send us an email at healthy at org. We'll be back with you right after this break. Conventions are over. Candidates have been nominated. With less than three months to Election Day, we don't know what's going to happen between now and then. But whatever it is, we'll be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. 
You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit. I'm Debbie Miner. I'm here today with Lydia West and Anna Blair Brown. We're talking about breastfeeding. This is National Breastfeeding Month. So we've been going over some of the issues. And, you know, Lydia, I want to go back to uh, you mentioned some of this, like the resources available Mm -hmm. and changing this cultural norm. So I, I can remember... Of course, I'm a pharmacist, and at the time, Ecker Drugs, uh-huh. and having to go, having to rush back into the into our stock room uh-huh. to pump my breast uh-huh. when I was on a 12 hour shift, uh-huh. and and then it was, you know, and then it was just so awkward because then the breast milk, and it's like, oh my goodness, you don't put that in the refrigerator with everybody's lunches <laughs> and everything else because that's just awful and gross, and ooh, 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 you don't do that, so you have right. to disguise it and everything else, and you. <laughs> Put in your little lunchbox, <laughs> and and now I mean that's just different. I mean I look Talk in the portrait and there's yeah 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 they're they're so and so's breast milk and they're so and so's and so is it is it a mandate or you mentioned earlier some of the employer based things mm-hmm. but is that an employer um, based initiative or any kind of requirement that you have resources available to make it easier to 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 like pump yeah. or whatever on site yeah. or or time allowed for that. So there, there is some federal legislation, and for, it's mostly related to hourly employees, not mm-hmm. salaried employees, mm-hmm. that they are um, – employers are, are mandated to give them a break at work to pump. Um, we don't have any um, state or federal um, laws or regulations or policies regarding um, hourly – I mean, salaried employees. But um, we do have worksite wellness liaisons at most of our state agencies, and that's something that um, they have taken on as part of their worksite wellness is creating lactation rooms and allowing some time and space for families to um, breastfeed or take off time um, post-delivery. Um, there's some good research out there that shows that when employers are supporting of families and their and their breastfeeding choices, that the employer is going to stay employee is going to stay at that place longer. They feel so a longer retention. Yeah, some mm. good retention. Um, families also have to take off less time from work, both mm-hmm. because they're sick or their child is sick. When children. Uh, most of the time when children are not breastfed, they're more likely to get upper respiratory infections and, and, and to be sick. And so families then have to take off work to go to the doctor. Well, if a child's been breastfed and the family's supported in, in that, then um, they won't have to take off work to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So there's some good um, other reasons not to just initiate breastfeeding but to continue breastfeeding for the recommended amount of time or when, to whenever mom and baby are ready to, to move on to next foods. Yeah. Well, during the break, you reminded me about that statistic about um, breast cancer. Yes. yes. And the correlation. Sure. So um, one, there's several things that are that are beneficial about breastfeeding. You had mentioned the um, weight management for, mm-hmm. for moms after birth. Um, childhood obesity is also being seen linked to – reduction in childhood obesity is also being seen to um, be related to breastfeeding as well as type 2 diabetes. And, and – Breast cancer is um, a 28% reduction if a, fa- if a mom chooses to breastfeed. And, and, and you, you saw some other information. Right. I, I saw um, there have been a lot of studies done looking at breast cancer rates in mothers who breastfed. And it does reduce your risk, like you said, by 28%. And actually, the longer you breastfeed during your lifetime, the greater um, your risk for breast cancer is reduced 
So not just during one pregnancy, but add up the total time breastfeeding mm-hmm. for all pregnancies. And Isn't that interesting? The longer you've breastfed, the more your um, risk is reduced. Excellent. Breast cancer is a pretty serious um, mm-hmm. condition. So mm-hmm. it's definitely another plug for choosing to breastfeed. Uh, I don't know the statistic off the top of my head, but it has um, been found that mothers or f- women who have not breastfed have a higher risk of, of breastfeeding, of breast cancer as well. So I think. So, so we're not at the point yet that we recommend surrogate breastfeeding for cancer right. prevention. But. <laughs> right, right. But it, it, it's just another plug for why it's important to initiate breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So are there any, uh, I would say you talked about some of the support, whether it's employer-based or um, familial, uh, those kinds of things in supporting the mom. But are there other things that, so that you have to, to think add. about? Oh, well, okay. Where are you going with that now, Lydia? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thinking about the support around the state. And then we had talked a little bit about the cultural changes that are mm-hmm. out there. Um, LHA leagues all over the state, are they have meetings throughout um, the month that families can go and, and have support that way. Um, we have several doulas around the state. There's some breastfeeding support groups that are out there. Um, there's a great one in Ocean Springs, another one in um, up near Tupelo, one in Hattiesburg. And they're just more and more coming around the state. There's um, IBCLCs, which are um, uh, lactation support people, as well as CLCs. Or we have more and more of those around the state, too. And so um, I, I, there is support out there. There are several websites that are available, especially um, links through the State Department of Health, as well as the um, U.S. Office of Women's Health. You can just do a search for Office of Women's Health, and there's a whole breastfeeding selection there. I'm thinking about employers, the Office of Women's Health. About two years ago, took on an initiative, and and there's all kinds of videos that employers can watch to see how they can create a space for lactation rooms. It goes everywhere from agricultural places where women are in the field and setting up a lactation room for them in a field to um, employers at a I mean employees at a um, chain store where they mm-hmm. may not be able mm-hmm. to sit. For, for long areas of time. So those are some just great personal stories about how companies have made it work. Mm, yeah, and that goes back to a lot of different issues, employee retention and everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So any, any other, um, like what you would call um, strategy-wide uh, associations with breastfeed or initiatives that you've been involved with? Sure. I think um, just thinking about... Um, for the healthcare professionals that are out there, bringing up the conversation before birth, it's really, like I said a while ago, it's hard to make that decision right at the time of birth. And so um, beginning that conversation um, as you can during the, the pregnancy process and, and learning about the support groups that are out there. If you can do a search on, online and look for breastfeeding support in your area, and more and more of those are popping up. Um, as I mentioned, LHA League and doulas are, are great. Um, there's several other support groups, um, and healthcare providers are learning better language to talk to families about that as well, and saying, um, kind of directing them to do it, having mm-hmm. a conversation about it instead. So what? So those conversations. So those conversations when you're that you're having with with um, mothers, fathers to be, and mm-hmm. thinking about bringing a a baby into the home, and with recommendations for breastfeeding, are, are there certain Certain things that you should always discuss and talk about. It seems like the the health department has some kind of little slogan for a while. They they do, and that has slipped my brain. I know I can't think um, of it. But uh, uh, it's um, just often to have. Do you remember? Oh, something about the baby sleeping on their back. Oh, and 
Yeah. 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 So babies on the back and <laughs> what was that? I, can't, I'm I, I think there there was a good promotion about the, mm-hmm. about back to sleep. Back and, to sleep. Yeah. yeah. So it's, and, it was probably breastfeeding and sleeping on your back mm-hmm. and. And so that's um, something mm-hmm. that's been come up uh, a lot. Something a, a term called co-sleeping, and there's a several different. Oh yeah, babies on their back in their bed. Yeah, in their yeah. bed and okay. no pillows oh, around. Mm-hmm. And yeah, not even the cute little crib crib not, pads. Anymore. Not even mm-hmm. yes, because that can that can lead to suffocation mm-hmm. issues. And um, Mississippi, as with so many of our statistics, we have a very high infant mortality rate. And and one of some of the ways to reduce that is looking at SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome. And um, the recommendation for that is just to have the the um, mattress and no other things that get, that are in the crib, no toys or anything like that. And and several moms who are breastfeeding they wonder about co sleeping. Um, and so the March of Dimes has some good recommendations out there for that. And um, Co-rooming is okay if the the infant and the family are in the same room, but um, keeping keeping um, the breastfeeding period can be in the bed, but then the infant needs to go back to their um, clean, safe area to sleep in. Well, it, and I, I guess you bring that up, and I, I, and it seems like goodness, it seems like this was back in December we were talking about it on the show, and I had Dr. Bob Eubanks, uh, he's at one of our pediatric hospitalists, and we mm-hmm. were talking about. Picking out safe toys for Christmas or things like mm, that, mm-hmm. and you know, he brought that up, and I said, "Does that really happen?" I mean, because you think, "Really, does that happen?" Yeah, uh, and he said, "Oh yes, oh yes, yeah. oh yes." So sad. Just, and I, I know uh, it's it's tiring uh, at the uh, middle of the night when you're doing the nighttime feedings, uh, not to just let them lay in the bed with you, but it, it's just for your sake and, and the infant's safety to to put them back in that safe environment to sleep in. Mm, goodness. Do you have any, are there age recommendations for that or specifically? I don't remember off the top of my uh, head. I'm sorry, but um, it's it's uh, definitely talk to your healthcare practitioner yeah, about I'm sure infants when they're not able to turn them over themselves or are or, or, at greater would, risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would go up, I guess, to the weight where they cannot move from a much larger individual. Yeah, yeah. They're with them. Yeah, it's true. And it, it's, Tempting when you get all those nice presents and the toys and the pillows and, and mm-hmm. making the crib look very cute, but the, it's much safer for the um, family to have a clean crib. Well, I, I know this. I, I'm sure every woman has thought this. Every woman that has that has nursed a baby has thought this or wondered about this. But we, when we hear about certain foods, certain foods, and mm. and does will this will this give my baby colic mm. or mm-hmm. i can't eat cantaloupe when i'm nursing because my baby <laughs> cries all night or can't eat spicy foods yeah. or or uh so of course avoiding alcohol those those kinds of things we're, we're not necessarily going there but just in general foods is that true that certain foods they affect babies differently. The certain foods. Well, that's mama, the key word. Mama. It's differently. Okay. It's, it's again an individual thing. Some so that families, is true. Yeah. Some some families um, find that it gives the baby hiccups to eat certain mm-hmm. foods or keeps the baby up, and so it's just learning the mom and the baby learning each other. Um, there are some thoughts about if, if if there's a family history of certain food allergies, mm-hmm. those may need to be introduced later on, or the mother may not need to eat those certain foods um, while she's breastfeeding. But um, that's a that's a bit of a um, not conclusive 
on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just think learning your baby and, and learning what, what foods the mother eats that may affect the infant is important. Are there, are there certain foods that are more common, that, certain, that cause more common problems? Really? Not to my knowledge. Okay. As, as pharmacists, y'all may have. I, I mean, uh, I, I, I don't. Because it's, it's kind of like, to me, in my mind, going even back to GERD or mm-hmm. uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease. Mm-hmm. We used to think all these things and avoid this and avoid that and everything else. And now we know. And some people, it just doesn't much matter. And so it's very, very individualized mm-hmm. as far as what foods. I mean, we know certain things like change that sphincter tone, low <laughs> esophageal sphincter and all that. But then there's certain foods, just like with stomach ulcers, whatever, that, that, that are, it's very individual. Yeah. One person, those hot peppers may bother you and the next person, they do not. Because I think we're becoming more refined and, and like gluten intolerance right. and, you know, all these kinds of things. So Our knowledge base is just uh-huh. increasing. On those, and I just didn't know if there were any avoid this type foods. Yeah, uh, uh, the mercury is still uh, uh, oh too much mer- too much mercury in the fish. Does mm-hmm. Still recommend mm-hmm. avoiding those high mercury foods like the the cold water fish, like mm-hmm. tuna and mackerel, herring, and mm-hmm. lake trout, um, or, or other foods that may have mercury in them. But um, I think um, looking to sometimes pica the the wanting to eat non food substances can continue with breastfeeding as well and so um, eating that's an interesting or, point mm, yeah mm, <laughs> eating ice or chalk or um, laundry detergent or some things can happen during pregnancy and um, the recommendation is not not to do that it's if you're doing that you definitely see a, a healthcare practitioner because you may be deficient in some vitamins and minerals and that's that needs to be checked out. Well, and that could be a cultural thing too, couldn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's, so once um, again, helping people be, and and even helping healthcare providers be comfortable in, in asking about mm-hmm. those things, and then so their, their patients feel comfortable telling them mm-hmm. about those things. That's a good point. That's a very good point because it's, it does exist. And uh, of um, course, if something may sound foreign to us, and mm-hmm. it's just very much a cultural normal someplace. Yeah, yeah. I met two women last week that not even in a breastfeeding conversation or a pregnancy conversation that uh, talked about PICA that they had experienced and just reopened my eyes to to that. Mm-hmm. that it does exist very it, commonly. Uh-huh, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. Here, right here in our state. Absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah. if we think about different parts of the world. Oh, goodness, yeah. Different parts of the world uh breastfeeding is very very much the norm mm-hmm. i mean it may be their only source mm-hmm. of nutrition yeah absolutely yeah and and same with co-sleeping in some mm-hmm. countries co-sleeping is is accepted because it is a clean bed there's no pillows for anybody on mm-hmm. that bed and so in that instance then um co-sleeping might be more accepted but with with breastfeeding it, it, it's sometimes the only source of nutrition that the infant can have well, well, speaking about nutrition, I'm going to go ahead and give a, a promo for next oh, week's show yeah, yeah. because you are back with <laughs> us. This wasn't even planned. It wasn't, it wasn't no. planned this way. It's just what, the way the week's worked out. But uh, And back to nutrition, too, because it's all tied in. We're going to be talking about food waste. Yeah. I just can't hardly stand and throw everything away. Um, <laughs> and there are some food safety things we need to consider, but food our country safety. wastes a lot of food, so I can't wait to talk about this. It's I know. I know. I mean, I can't even stand to throw it out in the garbage. I'm kind of like, okay, that watermelon may be rotten over in my mother's house because she hadn't been there, but I have to bring it home to throw it in my compost pile. <laughs> I just worms love it. I'm sure they're I, loving oh, yes, making it. Yes, yes, and my birds love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so this has been really interesting. I think that uh, there are a lot of issues that we've gone over today. Anything that you want to leave with us, Lydia? Yeah, I forward? think just just um, it's it's so great for the families that are breastfeeding out there and that are, are supporting other people in their communities that are breastfeeding um, and just 
um, so thankful for the healthcare practitioners that are out there that are encouraging families to think about their food options as they, for their infants. I'm gonna slide one more thing in really, really quick. Yeah. And Jay's probably gonna look at me. But now, is it is it acceptable to share breast milk? It Ooh. should be. <laughs> There's a music. It should be. Um, we have a milk bank here in Mississippi, and and that is um been pasteurized so that okay so there's their guidelines and safety controls with that so it's been a great show today thank you so much for joining us and look forward to having you back next week southern remedy healthy and fit it's a production of mississippi public broadcasting think radio we're funded in part by a grant from the university of mississippi medical center by the generous support from the members the foundation for public broadcasting in mississippi today's show was engineered by jay white Join us next Monday at 11 for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. We're going to be talking about food waste. And stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on NPR, MPB, Think Radio. Underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy. Live blue. It's good to be blue. More at bcbsms.com. Thank goodness it's not going to be nearly as hot this week as it has over the last several weeks.